New reporting on the Houston Rockets' plans and objectives headed into this NBA trade deadline surrounding John Wall, Eric Gordon, Christian Wood, and the rest of the veterans on the roster. We're going to break it all down for you and give our thoughts on what it means coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. It's the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. As always, we thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Joining us now is one of the OGs of Rockets Twitter himself, Houston fanalist and diehard Rockets aficionado, none other than Karthik Prasad at Stanford KP. How's it going, man? It's been a while since we've had you on the show. Good, I know. Um, I'm glad to be here. It's uh, It's been a while, but I'm excited. How are yeah. you? I, I hey, I'm doing good. I got no complaints on my end. You know, it's it's look. There's no expectations, right? It's a rebuilding season, and so we're we're kind of at this point where, obviously, with a rebuilding team, there's kind of I think two highlights besides just you know the game to game development, right? It's the trade deadline. What's going to happen there? Yeah. Are you buyers? Are you sellers? Uh, you know, what more? What assets are you going to be able to pull in? And then obviously leading up to all the hype surrounding the NBA drafts. So we're very we're drawing in on the NBA trade deadline, not just what two and a half weeks away, February 10th. So it's right around the corner. And we have a lot to unpack out of a recent piece by the athletics, Kelly eco, good friend of the show, kind of with some, you know, preliminary reporting on where the rockets are at heading into this trade deadline. And KP, I come away thinking, you know, just my, my brief takeaway from this piece, which hits on John wall, Eric Gordon, Christian Wood, and even mentions some of the veterans on the roster in Daniel Tice, uh, David Nwaba, and DJ Augustine to a lesser extent, which we'll get into the specifics on all those guys. I come away thinking that a lot of this article is kind of just posturing in a way by by the Rockets front office because especially like just we'll start with Eric Gordon, I guess. Some of the wording in this article revolving around Eric Gordon saying that uh, the, the Rockets have received a number of offers for the veteran ring, sources tell The Athletic, but all have been turned down. Barring an offer that simply can't be ignored, it's becoming more likely that Gordon remains in Houston past the deadline. And I think if there's one like almost lock certainty to potentially be moved this deadline, I feel like we can point towards Eric Gordon. And this article, while I trust Kelly and his sources, I feel like this is more posturing than anything to try and drive up the price of, of EG. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think there were a number of articles that um, that came out in the last couple of days that basically says, oh, you know, very unlikely that a deal gets done. This guy will be here over the next couple of months or in the summer. I think it is that season if you will to kind of say hey we are not impressed with the offers we want a you know really good value for some of these guys we know that they can move the needle um and so yeah i think there's a bit of that going on it's also possible i mean 
you know, Daryl Morey says this all the time, you know, you get your best offers closer to the deadline. So there's probably some truth to that in the sense that no one's really putting their best offer forward and or, you know, people are wanting to collect two more two more weeks of data just to kind of see will Eric Gordon re- regress a little bit from his just almost a career year for him um, and will some of the younger pieces or, or assets that, you know, probably have been dangled in, in trade talks, will they improve or not? Um, and so, you know, a lot of it's posturing. I do think, obviously, you know, Eric Gordon has the highest likelihood of being traded just because we want to do right by him. Um, I think there's a number of good fits and that could really use his services. Uh, but you're right. It was kind of a little bit of, hmm, okay, so no one's going to get traded? I don't, I don't think so. So uh, we'll see. You know, and I think what was sticking on Eric Gordon here for a second before we dive into these other guys, because again, I think he's he's kind of like I don't want to say Eric Gordon is the most boring of all the possibilities here at the deadline, but it's just it's one of the ones where it's like, okay, like there's not really like a sexy Eric Gordon trade out there because if it does come to fruition, it's gonna be something very ideally something clean where it's probably just you know a first round pick coming back and like an expiring deal or something to that effect. There's so many different suitors that it makes sense for that at this point I've drawn it up to being almost an absolute certainty that it happens. Now the article does highlight that the Rockets have a level of internal admiration for how Gordon carries himself on and off the floor and the work ethic that he shows on a daily basis, uh, basis characteristics that the staff are really impressed by. And, and I get that. I get wanting to have quality veterans around this young core to really like instill the proper, you know, work ethic and, and, you know, belief of how to carry yourself as an NBA, you know, caliber player, all that good stuff. But it would be an absolutely missed opportunity for them to not capitalize on just how good of a season Eric Gordon has had so far this year. And I think it's kind of almost, if we go back to last season, it's almost a blessing in disguise, the groin injury that Eric suffered last year, because he was likely going to be on the way out last year, potentially with the Rockets, just, you know, going, just calling all the names from the previous regime. And they might not have gotten nearly as much value back for him as they might be able to drive up this deadline. Yeah. I mean, it's truly a sweet spot. Not only did he get healthy, I think he had a full off season to recover. Um, he's played well, I think, and also the team has been able to manage his workload over the course of the season, um, to just keep him fresh, keep him healthy. Uh, and then, you know, he has a a year and a half left on his deal. So, you know, if you're a contender, you definitely get him for a playoff run this year. And then he turns into a contract that you can move or, or helps you on a second run. Um, and so it's, it, it truly is a sweet spot. I think they kind of mentally, we're trying to get to this point. So yeah, you're right. It'll be surprising, especially what, you know, we on Rockets Twitter have scoured the list. There are probably at least three to four teams that kind of fit the bill of first round pick enough salary to move without denting their contenders rotation. Um, you know, a team like Phoenix and, um, and so it's hard not to see a, a few of those teams saying, Hey, let's, let's um, give us Eric Gordon. So uh, you know, the, the work ethic thing, the veteran presence, obviously that's important. Um, but at the same time, you know, we need, we need opportunities for our, for our young guys. You've got obviously Jalen and, and KPJ, you've got Josh Christopher. You may even have guys in the G league like they show that why not give them an opportunity if you create an op- uh, roster spot. So there are way more reasons to trade Eric Gordon than not. Um, but obviously we won't hamstring ourselves if, uh, the right deal does not present itself. Coming up, we're going to dive into the rest of the reporting from this article, hitting on John Wall, Christian Wood, and some of the other vets on the roster. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Prize Picks. 
You've been hearing me tell you about prize picks for a while now. Have you signed up yet? If you haven't, now is the perfect time. For a limited time, prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our listeners. Listeners get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. All you got to do is use promo code MBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans who use promo code MBA. Look, PrizePix has the best MBA DFS prop game on the market. PrizePix offers more MBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each and every game. Look, it is so easy. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times back on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Go to prizepicks.com today or go to your app store and download the app. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Just a heads up, the NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th. That's why we're talking about the trade possibilities for your Houston Rockets. Uh, it's at 3 p.m. Eastern time, and Locked On NBA will be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, and NBA veteran Antonio Daniels, and get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA YouTube and turn on your notifications so you know when they go live. And hey, if the Rockets do something at the, the deadline, you know I'm going to be there to talk about it too. So go check out the deadline show. I was a big part of it last year. It's great fun. It's a great way to you know pass the time during the deadline. But KP, let's talk a little John Wall here. And I do have to ask, I mean, you've been away from the Twitter streets for so long now, at least kind of intermittently. Please tell me you've had a chance to enjoy a bit of the 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 schadenfreude, schadenfreude, schadenfreude whatever, I can't ever say that word, of <laughs> the, the Lakers situation with Russell Westbrook. I was in a space uh, Monday afternoon just listening to Lakers fans. And at one point, one guy was like, you know, if Russ can just do... If Russ can just do this in the playoffs and then somebody cut him off and goes, he can't do that. He doesn't have the IQ, like just, just losing their minds. And then even later on, one guy goes, it's just so tough because it's like they're playing four on five when Russ doesn't have the ball in his hands. And I was having like just straight PTSD flashbacks to Russ as a rocket. And I think that's where that's where the, the crux of this entire John Wall for Russell Westbrook swap has kind of come into being the dynamic at play, potentially as something on the table that both the Rockets and the Lakers, it seems like there's some legs there, uh, as reported by Kelly Eco. And now granted, there's some caveats in there. The Rockets would want back a first round draft pick. Don't get it twisted. They would have no plans for Russell Westbrook to be a part of this team. But if Rafael Stone manages to get a first round draft pick on both sides of a Russell Westbrook deal here in Houston, I'm going to be the first guy driving down to Toyota center to build the statue. <laughs> well, first of all, there's a lot, there's a lot there. The first thing is that, yes, I have uh, taken a quote state step back from rockets Twitter, but I have watched you get more and more big time. So don't forget about us. I, pr I promised that the next time I was on the show, I was going to roast you about it. So there it is. I see that profile <laughs> picture. It looks like you're, you know, you're, you got like that coaching pose going on in the, in the, in the court. I see you. I see you. Uh, all right. So the second is, uh, yes, I have paid attention to the Lakers. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's just clear that, especially with Anthony Davis out, like Russ is, you have to go out of your way to make sure that Russ is an impactful player. Now, Anthony Davis is coming back, you know, two days from now. So we'll see. But it really would not surprise me if they pulled the trigger on a Russ Russ trade if there is even a workable deal out there. Um, 
but but it is still really hard to trade that amount of money and i think they're gonna want to try and like completely rebalance the roster a bit because russ is only one part of the problem like you could replace him with john wall but you still have a major depth issue and so they're gonna have to fix a lot of things um with that single trade and so you know even kevin o'connor today was talking about how you may expand that trade to include eric gordon and then you know what type of assets with the rockets want back and um, and so the long and short of it is, I mean, I, I think wall is available for those type of deals. Right. And you're right. Like we would, we should be celebrating if we get yet another first round pick. I think that 2027 Lakers pick is actually a really good asset. You know, think three to three to four years from now, going to the 25, 26 season, we've got our core established. We're ascending and to have that type of asset, um, on a probably rebuilding Lakers team would be amazing. Um, and so we'll see, I mean, if they can truly extract that, that would be the gem of that trade. Um, and also a, a year ago, I got on here and said that uh, John Wall would potentially be a buyout candidate. That has obviously since been a little bit debunked, a little bit not, but um, it really wouldn't surprise me if either he really aggressively more, explores that more after the deadline and or someone like Russell Westbrook who gets traded back does, just because I think the deadline with, you know, this this amount of time left in your contract, you know, Blake Griffin exactly, you know, a year ago explored the same amount of uh, same amount on his contract. And he said, Hey, I'm, I'm willing to take that discount because I know I can a go to a contender and B potentially get another um, contract. So a lot to happen on the John wall front. I think the Lakers are a great fit. Cause if you look around, who's the most desperate team on the market right now, I, it has to be the Lakers. And so if you're, if you're the Houston front office and I tweeted this today, a, could you find a home for John Wall? And B, know that Westbrook will probably be more amenable to a buyout than him. And then two, um, potentially even also find a home for Eric Gordon. Um, that's a two-for-one deal. It's one transaction. You could completely reset your books a little bit and also have a lot of control over the next two years. There's a lot of value potentially on the table there. And I just think that um, both sides will be pretty interested in the deal if that if that were to happen. But you know, two weeks is a long time, and we'll see how Russ and AD and LeBron with a few more games can kind of see what they can do. Um, so a lot there, and all of that to say you're getting big time, and I, I got to make sure I keep you keep you humble. Y'all got y'all to keep me grounded. Yeah, no, I, exactly. I appreciate that, KP. I, I, I will never forget my roots. That is for sure. The, the, the check mark has not changed me. No, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I find it fascinating thinking about – because you hit – you know, on a very interesting point there is the quality of that potential 2027 first round pick from LA. And I wonder if there's a potential scenario there, like you alluded to with, you know, packaging wall and Gordon to the Lakers, if that would be a situation that is, you know, interesting enough to them would pique their intrigue because then they are kind of solving some of their depth issues simultaneously. And, I wonder if that would be more enticing to the Rockets front office because, yeah, you look at it and you're like, well, why would you package Wall and Gordon together when Gordon by himself is probably enough to get you a first-round draft pick? But you look at the the quality of the first-round picks that Eric Gordon may be able to net you. Like if we go, for example, yeah. to the Cleveland Cavaliers scenario, right? You swap him for Ricky Rubio. 
and the Cavaliers 2022 first round pick. Yeah, you you're getting a, you know, a likely late first, maybe maybe late teens, early 20s right. kind of first round draft pick. That's not nearly as juicy as one that's further out. And I think an, an important aspect to remember when you're considering these hypotheticals is with those draft picks, the more liquid you are and the further out those draft picks are, the better because then you have all that time to be able to decide, okay, are we, you know, to, to plot, to potentially include that pick in a deal down the line, or you can actually draft that candidate, right? Because the Rockets could be 2027, 20, have their young core kind of growing, flourishing together. And maybe there's not a deal on the on the market that makes sense to move that draft pick. And they just roll into the draft and they're like, you know what? We're just going to add a top prospect to this yeah. already budding young core. And there's kind of a lot of different amazing possibilities that you can do with that. So I'm very intrigued by this possibility. And I do. I don't think there's there's not nothing here. Right. You hear it from Lakers fans constantly like, oh, John yeah. Wall for like, I do think John Wall Enough answers smoke. some of the problems, not all of them, though, for the Lakers. Yeah. And the, the other thing I was thinking about just now is. um John Wall and, and, and Russ have player options heading into this summer. Now, obviously, it's forty-five, almost fifty million dollars guaranteed. But John Wall, I mean, the clutch connections are pretty interesting here because now all of a sudden you, you could say, "Hey, you know, we, let's do this swap." And as part of this swap, Lakers, why don't you give John a three-year, sixty million dollar extension uh, or something, or and or rip up the player option and just give him a three or four year deal at a lower dollar number to line up with the rest of LeBron and AD. And, and um, there's, you know, it's not just this summer that John, John Wall Russ, you know, makes sense. I think it's how you can use that money and the option value here to extend and create some more flexibility if you're the Lakers. Um, Westbrook has never struck me as the type of guy who'd say, yeah, I rip up my deal and I'm going to, um, you know, take a lower dollar figure. I mean, Chris Paul just did this this past summer, right? He took, he turned down 40 something million and said, um, signed a three year, I mean, I think it was four with a non guaranteed fourth year, but a lower dollar number, 25% lower. And so, um, there's something there, I think, that we, we should talk about, uh, in terms of just that clutch connection and the fact that you can kind of back channel some of these conversations um if you're if you're lebron and, and and trying to think about the next couple of years of contention there's a ton of interesting angles there and then when you also kind of scour the nba landscape and try like the 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 other reports we're seeing out of Lakerland, right is that they're canvassing the league trying to entice somebody with a, a delicious trade package of Taylor Horton <laughs> tucker kendrick nunn and that 2027 first round draft pick and honestly like again to 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 potentially throw those two names in, in the ring and then also that 2027. Yeah, that, that pick's pretty juicy, but you're not getting a whole lot back. You're, you're getting, you know, two more years of Taylor Horton Tucker on a $10 million deal, and he has completely underperformed this season. Kendrick Nunn is kind of a, a wash at that point, but yeah. it's, you know, I don't think the Lakers are going to find much else on the market, and I don't see them being able to move Russ for a bunch of parts. Now, I will say that a uh, good friend of Rockets Twitter and my old co-host of Locked on NBA, Matt Moore, at HP Basketball on Twitter, who Rockets fans just yeah. adore, um, mm -hmm. did posit a trade suggested by, I believe, his wife that included Russell Westbrook going to the Clippers and the Clippers sending like the, the you know, the mix and match set of pieces back to the Lakers, who then you could, you know, presumably maybe fire off a couple of those pieces elsewhere or loop in a third team. And I think there's another kind of working version of that trade 
for the LA Clippers that I want to talk about here in a moment that does have to do with John Wall as another potential reported destination for Wall. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website where if you sign up today using promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Make a little money with Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, free and available on all platforms. Wherever you listen to this podcast, you can check out Locked on Bets. Bets rounding third, headed for home with Karthik Prasad at Stanford KP on Twitter. And as we teased in the last segment, John Wall of the Clippers is something that might have a little bit of legs. And that's the one deal, KP, that last season it kept staring me in the face was, you know, after the Rockets had, you know, fully committed to, you know, the rebuild and they were going to move Victor Oladipo at the deadline and all that. I kept thinking John Wall of the Clippers makes sense this past summer. I kept thinking John Wall of the Clippers makes a fair bit of sense. Obviously, the dollar amount is really hard to get lined up, but when you think of a, a core of Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and John Wall, that's kind of, in, I feel like that's got to be kind of enticing if you're the Clippers. Yeah. Um, and I think there's some random, you know, reports of Paul George and John Wall hanging out. I think that, I think it's been a potential destination for a while, as you say, the only derailer to me is the health of Paul George. Um, I think if the Clippers felt that Paul George could come back and be reasonably 100%, and then they kind of made a move for John Wall, and then know that then Kawhi is kind of ahead of schedule, um, they could actually try and contend this year. But if, if they feel like they really can't get those guys back 100%, then they have no rush. And I think that's the biggest thing right now probably um, as an open question mark is, does anything on that front change in two weeks? Probably not. Um, but if it does, you know, they could they could pull a trigger on that or um, leave the option open should uh, Wall get bought out. Um, but I think that's been the wrinkle on that front. It's just that, uh, you know, Paul, Paul's injury um, and then the timing of how, how much they could truly contend this year versus, you know, just kind of um, reloading this summer and, and what and that could potentially include John Wall. So I think that's the biggest thing on the Clippers angle. Um, but they do have the pieces. I mean, they have Eric Bledsoe, Marcus Morris, Serge Ibaka. I mean, even if they wanted to dip into some of the assets, even to me, Luke Kennard, I, I, I like his game. I think he's interesting. He's, the contract's an interesting piece. Um, and then even a young undrafted guy like Brandon Boston, who they've kind of found in uh, as a gem. So they could make a move. I just don't know if they're, they're willing to put the chips in um, given the, the uncertainty. And it's one thing to, to note from the reporting from Kelly Eco is that this is a discussion that the, the Clippers had, you know, earlier this season with the Rockets. But at this point, 
kind of what we discussed just now is there's kind of, you know, no clear objective what's going on with the Clippers right now with such uncertainty regarding obviously Kawhi Leonard being out, obviously Paul George now being out for, you know, an un, not an undetermined amount of time, but missing a significant chunk of the season. They were already kind of floating and doing rather well, better than I expected them to do. But then again, the entire Western Conference seems to be kind of just, uh, you know, struggling this season to, to you know, maintain pace apart from the, the three teams at the top of the uh, pecking order in, in this year's Western Conference playoff hunt. But uh, with Paul George being out for, you know, the significant stretch of time, all of that, I do think similar to what you mentioned with the potential John Wall to Lakers scenario, I think maybe there's, you know, there's a possibility, right, of something, some kind of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge deal there if you're the Clippers, where I think any team, right, if you could have John Wall on, say, a $20 million deal, that you would, there's 15 teams in the league that would immediately jump at that, uh, you know, That's option. Right. So if if you're looking at it from the Clippers standpoint, if they could unload those contracts this season and kind of just punt on the rest of this year and then have that wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you're going to opt yeah. out. We're going to extend you this offseason and then come back with PG, Kawhi, and John Wall on a 20-ish million dollar a year deal over three or four years, then maybe you're, you, you've got, you're cooking with a little bit of gas at that point to try and yeah. entice them into a deal. Yeah, the, the timing of that, I mean, I think, you know, being able to get him in the building and kind of structure that, you go into a lot of the offseason with a lot more flexibility, right? Because then it's it's also he opts out, and then, you know, when he resigns, exactly who you can get in that delta. There's a lot of things that I think open up. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's still a, a potentially really interesting destination, whether they trade for him to contend or they don't. Um but even having that option could be valuable to them. Um, so we'll see. I, I think a lot of I think they may be more enticed if they if they felt like Paul George had a pretty good shot at coming back because then maybe they, you know, could could win round one and and buy Kawhi more time. I just um, it'll be interesting because then the and then the Lakers obviously loom and so um, you know what what happens with Westbrook and and Wall and so I think there's a few permutations there between the LA teams. I kind of resigned myself to Kawhi not playing this season, which is why I kind of thought the Clippers may just be punting as is. And then the Paul George thing happened. I was like, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's just kind of where they're at. Um, the name that we got to get to next though. And, and this has been a guy that's been at the heart of a lot of uh, discourse amongst Rockets. Twitter is Christian Wood, uh, a guy who is, you know, at, at the end of the day, he's a, he's a very talented big man, you know, a walking 20 and 10, but there's question marks about his defense. There's question marks about his long-term future here with the Houston Rockets. Is Christian Wood going to be here when this team is actually competitive again? And as per Kelly Ego's reporting, uh, it it doesn't look like the Rockets are, you know, I, you know, objectively trying to move him at the deadline. This is kind of what I felt you know, and my understanding has been for the Rockets to this point is they're basically ready to field calls on anybody on the roster, but unless they get an offer that absolutely blows them away, they're not ready to move on from him. An interesting name here though, regarding Christian Wood is the Miami heat actually. And mm -hmm. that was one that seemed to almost come out of like kind of randomly. And I don't even know what salaries the heat would have to work with off the top of my head. Now, like I want to make sure I pull it up just because I don't think the heat have those like mid tier I, kind yeah. of salaries. It's Duncan right. Robinson, basically. Um, if it was a yeah. two team deal, it's Duncan Robinson, which um, it would surprise me if the Rockets were 
Will What's the meme where it's like we've got Duncan Robinson at home and we just point at Gary Garrison Matthews? Yeah. Only we need like the inverse of that where it's like, <laughs> you know, the Heat are like we have Garrison Matthews at home and they point at Duncan Robinson because at this point, having Duncan Robinson locked down on the four year deal that's incredibly team friendly, uh, the same one that Armani Brooks got, uh, you know, why why would you want to spend up to you know sixteen million over the next you know four years for arguably the guy that you're getting that same production out of for much cheaper? Yeah, yeah. So that's why it would it would surprise me if you know they were thinking about a uh, just a two team deal. Um, that being said, you know there's potentially some young guys that they could be eyeing on the Heat that they think are you know the Rockets think are you know viable candidates, um, and they're and they don't care necessarily about Duncan Robinson's salary. That, but I think you know Christian's deal, you know. 13 million, 14 million a year is in the realm where if you, if you kind of link our two parts of the conversation, if you're creating some kind of John Wall trade, you, you now have enough money where you could send out that much salary. Um, and you know, the, the, the heat could reroute a few more pieces. I, I think they could figure out a way to work it in which, you know, Duncan doesn't come here. Um, or it just becomes a, a different three-team deal. You know, then there was a lot of you know discourse on the twi- on Rocket Twitter day around why Miami would even want Christian Wood, and I think actually it's pretty obvious. I mean, he is not a defensive anchor right now as a big, but I think he can be really good in switch situations. I think he can protect their rim. I think he plays well with another big, which we've seen, uh, and I think he can be in a, a pick and roll and lob threat. Um, and he just gives them more height and size. And so uh, it, it's not that they need him, but they, they have to have a vision as to why they would want Christian Wood on that team. They have P.J. Tucker, who knows Christian Wood and probably can um, speak to his ability. And so, uh, you know, there's there's th- that one surprised me, I agree. And, and so it would be interesting to see if there was some more smoke that comes out of that in the next couple of weeks, whether it's kind of as part of a three-team or there's some young piece that the Rockets actually really like that they want to go get. Um, but again, I, I don't know of a team that right now would just fire away the assets to go get Christian because he moves them well, moves the needle that much for them, right? Like we've talked about the Warriors, but they're probably favorites anyway. Like, do they need to make a trade and give up assets to add another piece? I don't, I don't know. They could, um, but they don't need to. And so if you don't have that need or that urgency, then it's hard for me to see, you know, a deal. And, and, and at the same time, we don't have any urgency to move them necessarily. And so that's why I, I think, you know, Christian is far less likely to move than Aaron Gordon for a ton of reasons. Yeah, I kind of went into it thinking that this deadline would be, you know, not necessarily. I, I feel like there's a lot of Rockets fans that are pressed thinking Christian Wood has to be moved this deadline and that he becomes some, like magically like immovable this upcoming offseason if the Rockets aren't planning to keep him as part of their you know long-term rebuilding vision. But I do think that he is still a, a guy that is movable this upcoming summer, or you know, at the latest, obviously, the following deadline when he's you know basically gonna become an unrestricted free agent, because then there's a team out there that potentially, you know, is very enticed by what Christian Wood brings to the table. Maybe he keeps performing at a high level and, you know, you trade him and that team picks up his bird rights and can then, you know, be afforded the luxury of going over the cap to re-sign him rather than having to clear the space to, you know, make an offer for him in free agency. So 
it's not one of those where Christian Wood has to be moved. It was just interesting to hear the Miami Heat as a name kind of thrown in to, you know, having their name thrown in as far as uh, being interested in Christian Wood. But let's let's touch base here on these last handful of guys, kind of the veterans rounding out the Rockets roster. So Daniel Tice, David Nwaba, and DJ Augustine are guys who have all garnered a little bit of interest uh, around the league. And I kind of did my canvassing a little bit. And we talked about this before hitting the record button, but, you know, as far as teams out there that, you know, might be able to make do with the services of one of these three vets, uh, one that immediately jumped up to the forefront of my mind, given the incident this past weekend with Alex Caruso and the, the flagrant foul from Grayson Allen and, and the you know injury that he unfortunately suffered, uh, he's going to be missing, you know, a significant chunk of time for the Bulls. The Bulls have a $5 million trade exception, uh, courtesy of the Daniel Tice deal this past offseason, <laughs> that they could very happily squeeze one David Nawaba into if they were interested in kind of shoring up their wing depth uh, for the rest of the season. And, and Nawaba's on a fairly team-friendly deal. He provides yeah. you that hustle, that defense off the bench. Um, I'd be sad to see Uncle Dave go, but at the same time, like these are the types of moves you make kind of at the margins to bring in maybe a, you know, to clear off a roster spot and to bring in maybe a second-round draft pick, that kind of, you know, structure. Exactly. Yeah, and I think you know they have, they have Tice, they have Augustine, they have Nwaba. I, I think they probably move two of those guys, get back some second round picks, clear some roster spots. Because I think if they explore, if they move EG, if they move, and or move John Wall, I think it's not going to be a one for one deal. And so you're going to have to create some space to take back players. And so um, whether it's one extra player, two extra players, I think that means you know they'll find a home for some of these vets. Um, and especially Tice, you know, he fits into, and I think Dallas also has a trade exception for that. They, that could fit him. I think um, there are a number of teams that could use him as a pretty serviceable backup big. Uh, so, you know, Tice, and then I think Nuaba, yeah, I mean, are two, two um, really good candidates just because they're dollar figures and, and the fact that, you know, it's pretty proven what they can do in certain roles. Um, Augustine's a little interesting because I think he can help stabilize in a regular season, but he's just not like a playoff, you know, especially round two, round three type of piece. And so are you really going to try and, you know, take on a $7 million versus he probably could easily just negotiate a way out of Houston and kind of find his, find a team he really wants to go to. So I think he's at least likely as, as Kelly alludes to, um, but the other ones, you know, both for finding a great home for them and also creating roster spots and flexibility for us, it makes total sense that we, you know, to at least try and find a workable deal. Yeah, if I had to like wager money on this, which I guess I could do if I went to betonline.ag, <laughs> shameless plug, uh, I, I would say DJ Augustine is probably the the most likely of that trio of vets to just get waived, you know, or I, you know, bought out and uh, just or you know, whatever the rest of the season, just, you know, so that he can go join a contender right down the, down the uh, rest of this season. Um, and then David Nwaba and Daniel Tice do have services that I think they could offer to some teams uh, looking to again, bolster their depth a little bit. Um, and then the, just kind of circling back to the Christian Wood thing, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how that, I, I think he is the most interesting kind of 
variable at this point for the Rockets and kind of what happens moving forward with this team because you have the staples as part of the rebuild with the Jalen Greens, the Alperin Shingoons, Josh Christopher, that you know that whole dynamic. But where do you fit in Christian Wood in this and how does the front office truly view him? Because if they do view him as a long-term fit, then you know at what point do you stop entertaining the trade that it calls for him, right? At what point do you maybe start playing Christian Wood and Alper and Shingun together a bit more to see if they can actually coexist on the floor? That was one of my uh, New Year's resolutions for this Rockets team is I wanted to see those two guys share the floor a bit more because as you pointed out, I do think that the the Tice-Wood experiment was disastrous for a lot of different reasons. But in the flashes that we've seen Wood and Shingun share the floor, I think we've seen some promising moments from that. And I think Christian, as far as a defender goes, is a more adept switchable big and somebody who can hold his own on the perimeter and as a bit of a help defender at the rim rather than your five that's supposed to anchor the defense. Now, can Al P anchor the defense? That still remains to be seen. So there are question marks about that fit, but I want to see them play more together so that we have some data points to extract from. Yeah, I think um, that's why, I, you know, I don't think the Rockets, unless they get an amazing offer, are going to move them. Because one, you're right, let's let's get some more data, Christian and LP, uh, rest of the season. Um, both on Christian, also on LP, and also on the type of, like, you know, lineups that work. Um, two, I think the sweet spot, if you were to move Christian Wood, is this summer, like you said, because he, he has a full... Full year left on his deal. He's a value contract, guaranteed production, um, bird rights, etc. And I think the Rockets would probably take a chance in offering him an extension at that point in a kind of what they believe is a long-term but fair to Christian deal. And should he take that? Awesome. We have now someone who's a versatile big at a team-friendly, at whatever that means at that point, deal. And um, and you create some continuity. And if he says no, I'm, you know, and rightfully within his power says, no, I'm going to bet on myself. I feel like I can get more. Great. Then, you know, that you have, you know, that that window to move them. The draft will be there. We can create a lot of flexibility. So it doesn't make sense to me right now. Like, there, I can't think of one reason we're like, yes, we must trade Christian Wood. There's no, there's no reason um, that's burning. Um, so... Clearly I, the reason that is burning is because Alperin Shingu needs to be playing 48 minutes a night with no rest um, or Rockets Twitter will not be happy. No, I mean, you know, that that's, that's the argument that keeps getting circled back to is Christian Wood is directly impeding Alperin yeah. Shingun from, you know, being the, the starting center of the future. But based on everything that we've seen from the, the Rockets coaching staff to this point, even with, you know, even if Christian Wood was miraculously out of the picture, I don't think we'd magically see LP, you know, cranking out 35 minutes a night all of a no. sudden so <laughs> i do think that is a little yeah. i i have this whole uh, yeah don't get me started on like how you need to like develop people young players by actually giving them the time to and space to develop like you can't just throw someone out there for 40 minutes um but yeah i mean it, it, trade daniel tice create a spot lp moves up create you know I, there's so many we the post deadline i think the team the younger players just like they did last year will get more of an opportunity and i think that's almost a certainty. So um, it'll be interesting. The Rockets are going in with a lot of valuable pieces at different levels that teams will want. That's a good place to be if you're a rebuilding team. And uh, there's some desperate, there's some desperate uh, buyers out there. So we'll see. Uh, but I'm excited on what the trade deadline holds in two weeks. 
Desperation bodes well for the sellers at the trade deadline, and the Rockets are definitely uh, one of the sellers this year. KP, always a pleasure to be able to talk talk hoops with you, my guy. Where can uh, people track you down at? Yeah, of course. You can uh, find me on Twitter at, at StanfordKP. I am uh, I still occasionally tweet. I catch the games, uh, and I try to stay at one one level higher and longer term. So, um, but love to interact with the rest of Rockets Twitter, and I just feel like there's a ton of amazing content. But yeah, that's where you can find me and. Always thankful and excited to be on this show, Jackson. Appreciate you having me on. Appreciate it, KP. Thanks for stopping by, man. Thanks. That's going to do it for today's episode. What are you expecting the Rockets to do at the NBA trade deadline? Let us know in the comments on YouTube. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. As I already mentioned, check us out on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.